2: This is a crowd
1: podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Air Jordan Blaylock. To be more like Jordan, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marla Show, and become an official sponsor today. You're listening to The Marla Show. It isn't on the radio it's a podcast, fool, you listen anywhere you go, The
2: Joe Marler Show. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Joe Marler and this is Tom Fordyce. Hello Tom, how are you?
1: Joe, so I've got a problem. Can I run this by you? Oh God, one of those again. Just get some cream for it. <laughs> joe when you go to your local takeaway which is what what's your takeaway of choice uh
2: we uh, well we go for the walk-in uh for chinese or we go for bombay spice for mm. indian so what other ones oh we go vulcan grill actually for our kebabs um we go to kukulu for our pizzas uh, what do you want me to keep going or that's fine. It's the, yeah, I, but there's I, seven I days in a week. <laughs> Let's say you were at Gam the through. walk-in.
1: Let's say you were at the yeah. walk-in. Do you when you go to the walk-in, Joe? Do you always order the same, or do you ever go Maverick and order something completely different? I'd say nine times out of ten, it, it goes for the
2: same. I'm that I'm that guy. I did try a um, tom yum soup once. I thought, oh, you know, I'm feeling a bit nasally. Um, Yes, I'm nasally all the time, but I'm feeling (laughs) a bit, you know, congested. And this sounds like it's hot and apparently it's good for you. It's got all the chilies and spices and shit in it to make you better. Lemongrass and stuff. Um, So I got some of that and I loved it. I love it. It was so good. I was like, (sharp) literally. (sharp) And you could see from Daisy's face like, you're going to fucking eat that any louder. And I'm like... (laughs) thank you and then it wasn't until the morning after where i've absolutely sweated my tits off through the night <laughs> and daisy turns me and going you absolutely stink and i'm like It's like bad BO? She she's like no you like and i was like tasting my arm and i was sweating <laughs> out this tom yum soup and i was Whoa. like oh my god that was fucking potent And that's why I've never really tried something new again. Where's this going anyway?
1: Well, I'm intrigued by that, Joe, because um, Murph didn't want to do any cooking the other other night. I didn't want to do any cooking. It'd been a busy day. It was a takeaway night. And from our local Chinese, I always order exactly the same. And I went down the menu and thought, no, I'm not going to go salt and pepper tofu. I'm not going to go... Prawn food, salt yeah. and I'm not going to go veggie spring rolls. Salt and
2: pepper what?
1: tofu. Salt and pepper. There's tofu. no
2: one. I've, I've never ever met anyone apart from you <laughs> that is ordered as a regular salt <laughs> and pepper tofu. Go okay, carry on. Sorry,
1: <laughs> but Joe, I thought I'm going to do something different. So, Joe, when my food arrived, do you think I was a delighted with them and really, really pleased that I'd rolled the dice and gone maverick? Or was I absolutely gutted because they were shit and vowed only to order the same things for the rest of my life? Um,
2: this is a really tricky one. Really, oh, you've, uh, oh, you've gazumped me. Uh, I'm not going to fail, I'm just going to ask you what did you do?
1: When you say gazumped, you mean stumped. <laughs> <laughs> no unless i've unless i've outbid you for a house is that what gazumped having... means <laughs> yeah having been told by the estate agent how much you'd bid
2: you've gazumped me oh fuck is it hang <laughs> on why are the best words wasted on the shittest things <laughs> do you not know I mean gazumped okay i mean you've stumped me there go on tell me the answer
1: joe it was an absolute disaster Oh, These no. dishes that I ordered were almost inedible.
2: Yeah, you sh- you shouldn't mess about and and roll the rice like that.
1: <laughs> Joe, we seem to have spent quite a lot of time, don't we, talking about food recently? Because we had ice cream last week, and now we've had a takeaway chat. So today, time for something completely different. We're going to speak to an expert in anti-poaching. You happy with that? Well, yeah. I
2: mean, I've never understood why someone wouldn't want their eggs done like that. I think it should be allowed to have different varieties of of how you want to eat your eggs. But, you know, it's interesting. It's different. It's what this show's about. It's about finding really interesting and sometimes obscure jobs. And someone who doesn't like poached eggs and (laughs) actually making a career out of it is as obscure as it gets. So let's get him on. Yeah.
0: Hello, I'm Sam Walker. I've spent the last few months talking to this guy. I'm a hunter. It's what I do. He's called KC. Our rules of engagement are pretty simple. If we have to pull a trigger on one person, they're all going to go. He's an American vigilante. And there is
1: one of the biggest men I've ever seen. And he's got a knife in his hand.
0: He rescues kidnapped children. There's no feeling in the world like putting a child back in the arms of its parents. By any means necessary. Well, it's ugly. Want me to make sure I don't hurt anybody? He scares me. And he kind of looked at me and I said, I swear to God, I said, if you do anything other than what I told you to do, I said, I'm going to kill you right here. And he might scare you. you got tears in your eyes right now just thinking about that, don't you? Download the podcast. American Vigilante Download American Vigilante Out now
1: Now
2: Tom, it's that time in the pod where we thank our lovely Patreons, the official sponsors of the Joe Marla Show. The Boundy Hunter. It's
1: Alistair Boundy. Flip his name around, it still works. It's Greg Edwards. Philip Hans Zimmer. Sam the Man Williams. Tom Tom Anderson. And the wily Old Fox, it's Dave Wiley. To be more like Alistair, Greg, Philip, Sam, Tom and Dave, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and grow the show. Today's guest is
2: Jay Crafter. Jay is an anti-poaching expert, originally from Zimbabwe, but he now lives in North Carolina. Hello Jay. Yeah, lekker, lekker, lekker. Tom, are you going to say hello or what, eh?
1: I will say hello Jay. Hello Jay, how are you? Nice to have you on the show. Thanks mate, good to be here. Joe, we've got a lot of poaching questions, or do we have a lot of anti-poaching questions? I'm not sure. But my first question, Jay, in all the research that I've done for this episode, and Joe and I like to do a lot of research, don't we Joe? It seems that you get what we might call good poaching and bad poaching. And good poaching, in my head, is Danny Champion of the World and his dad going to victor hazel's wood and nicking a load of pheasants
0: that is good poaching <laughs> the rest of it seems pretty bad no i think that's a good analogy mate yeah they're definitely i, I wouldn't call i can't call them good poachers uh, they're all bad poachers but different levels i guess i like catching them all though it's uh, that's the the fun in the game for me so you po- so you poach the poaches. we poach the poachers yeah <laughs> So you're you're technically,
2: I know you like to dress it up as, you know, maybe like a a, a Superman-type vigilante, but you're the same. You're basically the same. It's just you see, instead of seeing a lion as what you're hunting, you see a human. And I'm actually thinking now that's worse and slightly more worrying (laughs) that we could potentially be talking to a psychotic um,
0: murderer. (laughs) I mean, you're probably close on all fronts, but uh, yeah, no, we uh, we hunt the bipods. We, you know, we're not going after the four-legged things; we're going after the two-legged things. A bipod. Yeah. I'm, look, go, on, Joe. Yeah. Just, okay, big now. word, Joe.
2: Yeah, I've just worked it out now. <laughs> 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 I was looking at that. I went, "A bipod." Doesn't he mean a tripod? There's no such. And then I went, "Oh, try ah, I can cut that loot now." Fuck off!
1: Oh, God. Right, so poaching. Joe, I'm sure you're the same as me. Your instinctive reaction to anyone who poaches an animal is that they are scum. And you can't understand why they would do it, and you want to see them punished. And I'm probably the same, but this would be a very short podcast if we all agreed on that. (laughs) And then we ended it. So, Jay, what are the reasons why people poach that aren't just that they're absolute twats?
0: No, there's... I mean... The whole situation is very complex and with a tip of the spear, so to speak. So we're literally inside the national park, you know, stopping people from illegally hunting animals. Uh, and there's a variety of different ways that they do it. Typically, you know, the people on the ground that are doing it, you've got your commercial poachers and then you've, you've got basically sustenance poachers. So you've got all these very poor communities with no electricity, no running water, you know, limited life and uh, yeah the people come in illegally to the park and they hunt game for meat a lot of the people we catch are younger you know we got like some kids that were like 12 years old uh, and they had a dick dick which is a really small antelope and uh, it's like cheapers you know we're not going to arrest them there's just no ways that, that if you send them to an african prison they're going to be worse off in life than you know being bushmeat poachers so yeah, just you scare them, scream and shout a little bit, and send them on their way back home. And uh, I mean, they're probably going to come back, but I think uh, that's probably better for them than um, going to an African prison. To be honest with you, and uh, your commercial poachers, they're coming in, and they will it's all about the dollar. So they want to, you know, get ivory, get rhino horn, get pangolin scale. We found 150 snares. Um, I just I got back from Kenya not long ago, and uh, there was we found one string of. Snares. It was 150 of them. So that guy was trying to catch 150 animals. Not one family he needs 100. He's 100% trying to sell it. But the day before, we found 100 snares that he'd put out, and we were basically just going from snare to snare to snare, trying to find this guy. And then we set an ambush from the next day, and we arrested him, and he's being processed. But uh that that guy's a commercial poacher. He's he's probably killed thousands of animals. I mean, hundreds of thousands in his lifetime. He was in his 60s. And he, I mean, he was 100% comfortable with what he was doing. Hang on, hang on. I got ivory.
2: I got rhino horn. And then I heard pangolin. And I was trying to really, really quickly work that out in my head. Like, what the fuck? And I can't. And I have to rudely interrupt you and go, what the fuck is pangolin? So it's, you, do you know what an armadillo is? Yeah, Ross dressed up as him, um, the holiday armadillo in Friends.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so a pangolin has lots of small scales across its whole body. It eats ants and termites, but it's the most heavily trafficked animal on the planet. There's, I mean, they find containers worth of them in, uh, oh. in like Asia and um, you know airports, shipping ports, whatever. And there's like ten thousand carcasses inside. No, they're moved all over the place. Why? Uh, Why? More. Why do people it's want insane. pangolins? So there's a lot of um, you know in different cultures uh you know it's a desirable animal to have and they they take the pangolin scale and they crush it down and it's seen as like a herbal medicine um like a traditional medicine so it's used for different things uh you know some people believe it cures cancer some people believe it increases like your life expectancy whatever there's it's just different reasons but it's there's a huge demand for it in uh, as a natural product massive massive it's completely illegal you know there was a lot of it's like rhino horn there's a lot of speculation that it's used as a aphrodisiac you know people mix viagra into it then people use it and they'll think it works and
2: well yeah of course it fucking works you've got viagra in it you twat (laughs) not you not you the information i've got on the research on rhino horn is asian medicine believes rhino horn ground up would lower a fever sort rheumatism and gout it's made from keratin which is a protein found in fingernails and hair. So you might as well just chew them off and you'd get the same. Pangolin's the same what thing. The
0: f- pangolin is exactly Fuck. the same material. So
2: is, there's no proven medical benefits on rhino horn and pangolin scales
0: to make you better. Not at all. That's why rhinos are, you know, endangered because because of their horn and just this like false sense of, you know, what, what, what it can do for you. But like one of the worst things I've ever seen was a rhino and its calf in uh, Botswana. And yeah, it just—I mean, it just been the horn had been cut off. It was still alive. It the way it had been shot, it was spined, so it was paralyzed. And uh, they they cut it open while it was still alive, and then they they shot the calf because the calf was annoying them while they were cutting it open. And uh, there was there was no there was no rhino horn on the calf. So you know, I just I want to catch that human being, and you know make sure that, uh, you know, they get sorted out for it. Um, yeah, honestly, I've seen elephants that are still alive um, when they were, well, they were dead when we got there, but they were alive when they started removing the ivory. And for, like a, a really good rhino poacher can take rhino horn off of a rhino in, you know, under 10 seconds. But with uh, with ivory, if you want to get the whole piece of ivory out, you know, they, they cut into the animal's face and, and remove part of its like, skull basically to get to get into it it's like if i pull a tooth out you know i'm not just pulling what you see i'm going to get the root out and everything and there's there's value with that part of the ivory so it's a it's a good 30 40 minute process uh with a fit human being doing it
1: joe what's your feeling when you see pictures of trophy hunters and you see a let's say for example i'm not being too unfair here you see a big fat american with a high velocity rifle astride a beautiful animal, what feelings does that generate within you? Twat.
2: I saw a picture of the Trump brothers, Donald's sons, both holding a cheetah. And I was like, what? What the fuck? I Like, why? Why, why are you stood there holding this dead animal, this beautiful creature... And just smiling like, yeah, huh, look what I've got. Yeah. look. You're like, fuck off, mate. Like, what's your twat? <laughs> and then another one that uh, on my research, Glenn McGrath. What did you think of him as a cricketer, Tom? You're a big sport nose. Uh, Jay, you're a Zimbabwean. I'm guessing you liked cricket and rugby and shit. So Glenn McGrath, the cricketer. He was great, wasn't he? I know. I know Glenn quite well. What was the pitch? Yeah, twat. He absolute twat, I'm afraid. There was a picture of him stood over a massive water buffalo, you know the ones with the curly horns, and a massive gun in his hand like, oh hello. Now you're probably going to turn around to me it was superimposed and that I was just googling really bad things, but I'd like it if you didn't cuz
0: then it ruins my rant. It's probably not superimposed. <laughs> I'm sure, there's lots of lots of people do it, mate. So why do they do it,
1: Jay? Like what? Because that to me is the equivalent of Joe coming over to mine and then punching me in the face and claiming it as a great victory. Like Joe doesn't need to punch me in the face. Everyone knows that if Joe punched me, he would do a lot of damage. Don't punch me please Joe, by the way. I just don't understand
0: how it is. Like how is that a victory to bad? This is, this is like a a hole that you're putting me in. That's we're never going to get out of. So hunting. There's, there's obviously two sides to it. There's, there's people who are pro hunting people are against hunting. I'm going to stay stay right in the middle right now and go neutral on it. I'll give you an example: Zimbabwe. So the national parks in Zimbabwe, I think the last count of the elephant numbers was eighty-five thousand elephants in the whole country, and the ecosystem for the the national herd can hold fifty-five thousand elephants. So there's thirty thousand elephants in Zimbabwe, too many, and they're a destructive species. I mean, they just destroy trees. They, you know, huge erosion issues. Um, they just, they, I mean, they just, it's a big animal and it eats a lot and destroys a lot. And obviously there's, you know, human population growth. So they, there's now there's more elephants that are going into communities that are crop raiding, that are killing people, that are causing trouble. And, uh, you know, you can't shoot 30,000 elephants, obviously. Um, in the old days, they'd kill them. They, 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 you just can't do that nowadays. And it costs about $50,000 to move one elephant. So... You know obviously the Zimbabwean government's going to look at hunting as a solution for it um to control the numbers it's never going to control thirty thousand elephants you know they'll probably shoot i don't know I have no idea what the numbers are say fifty elephants a year it's probably more hundred elephants a year, but even that's not going to make a dent on the population and that population number is just increasing so there's there's a need to control the numbers um to reduce human wildlife conflict um to you know because the ecosystem can't sustain that 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 many animals. And then, you know, obviously there's, you know, financial rewards for communities, for the government, taxes, that kind of stuff for, for when someone comes in from the States to shoot an elephant. So if he comes in and shoots an elephant, that's that's probably a $30,000 trophy. He's going to pay $30,000 and, you know, to the the good hunting outfits – uh, a lot of that money is going to go back into the community. You know, obviously, most of the time, it's going to go into the professional hunter's pocket, to be honest with you. Um, and that that's that's a different issue that needs to be sorted out. But yeah, there's there's some urge and some people to go out there and prove that they can go and hunt something from the back of a Land Cruiser. Um, there's a demand for it. So I think African governments, are, I mean, all over the world, people do it. It happens in Scotland. They're going to stag hunts. How do you know – you touched
2: on that. Oh, I love a bit of, like, constructive uh, friction that I I suspect we might get. How do you know that 30,000 extra elephants are going to affect the ecosystem if you're not giving them a chance to affect it?
0: So I don't know that. I'm just telling you, like, this is just research that I've read. You know, and obviously the research is coming from a variety of different organizations, It's not just the Zimbabwean government saying it. You know, I think they know, you know, what what that environment needs to have to be able to support, a, a, you know, a herd population size of XXX. I mean, the, the biggest elephant move I know about was 500 elephants that was moved by an organization called African Parks. That was a huge operation. So for them to, you know, to even think about moving elephants in Zimbabwe, just it's it's just not a solution. Joe, could
1: you move an elephant if you had to? If I said to you, I'll give you $30,000 if you move an elephant, could you do it? How far am I moving it? Jay, how far does he need to move it? 500 kilometres.
2: Oh, fuck. Uh, that's not great because I'm not great with kilometres, am I, Tom? We've realised this on previous episodes with the firefighter. Fire. <laughs> yeah.
0: we'll call it 350 miles. The miles or is better is, for yeah. me,
2: actually, yeah. So I've got to move an elephant, 350 miles. What am I do- How much are you paying me? 30 grand? 30 grand, yeah. It's not paying
0: you. You're not getting a cent out of it, mate. This is out of the goodness of no, your no, heart. No, no, I'll
2: need to be paid 30 grand uh, to move it. And I'll, I'll tell you what I'll use. I will use a blow dart um, and I will probably fire in about four to five uh, litres of ketamine um, into its into its ear. Cause it's like the thinnest <laughs> part and that reacts the quickest. And then it'll go like, and I'll be like timber and it's hit and it goes like, and just hits the floor. And then I will get low. I will. Oh fuck. This is affecting the environment as well. I'll have to chop down quite a few trees. Uh, in fact, no, I'll chop down six trees um, and make sure that they're all it's why six. Just cause that seems like a fair number to, uh, to 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 chop down, and then I'll make them all like cylind- cylindrical. Oh, is that yeah? That's a word, surely. So that they roll really well, and then I will roll this elephant. Oh fuck! I'll need more than six because it's quite a big elephant. Twelve actually, all cylindrical. I'll roll this elephant on it like they they moved um, the stones for that famous thing down in the southwest. What's it called now? Um, Stonehenge. Stonehenge and they roll them like that for 350 miles and if I work out the timings I'll be able to do it for you before sunset. <laughs> so 30 grand, I'll need I'll need 28 up front and two the, the final two on completion and I'll obviously I'll meet you at the destination of where the elephant. Is that agreed? A lekker? Liquor. Lekker
1: liquor. Liquor brew. <laughs> Joe, how many times do you think you'll be picking up um one of your cylindrical logs, which I imagine will be quite heavy, and then moving it from the back of the elephant to the front of the elephant look you you you've you've asked me on the hop That that is the best I could <laughs> do,
2: and I think it's definitely doable it'll take it' take a oh, fuck off Tom I'm guessing these poachers have got guns, yeah, some of them do yeah like more often than not, they've got like a weapon that can kill. The animal and therefore can kill a human, yeah?
0: No, so you know, like the the dart gun scenario you were talking about. Oh, yeah, the about. blow it's dart like with four to five there, liters yeah. of ketamine. Yeah. Yeah. So there's uh, poachers in Kenya, they use a bone arrow and they make a stand in a tree and they'll sit in the stand and they'll, uh, right by an elephant path, and as an elephant walks past, they, they stick an arrow into its rump and uh, that elephant's dead within four minutes with the poison on the four arrow. Four minutes? Yeah. So we don't listen for gunshots or anything like that there. And then if you think of your rules of engagement, you know, if somebody's got a rifle, you know, you're obviously legally allowed to defend yourself. But like bone arrow it gets very grey very quick. Uh nine times out of ten it's hands on. Is it? Oh, so yeah. you're pretty handy then? I wouldn't say I'm pretty handy, I'm heavy. <laughs> a lot of these guys are skinny and nimble. I just land on them and they don't really do much. But it sounds uh, like Joe's career.
2: Yeah. Oh, Tom, what a wonderful, wonderful friend you are to have. So dear and close. Who needs enemies when I
0: have Tom? The first guy ever arrested. That's exactly what happened. I uh, Can I tell you Please. the story? You can delete it, I guess. So I. Um, what a great start
2: to a story. Just, can I tell you a story? You can definitely delete it. So that gives us hope.
0: It's going to be wonderful. Let's hear it. So I I'd, I'd set up a, a program in Zimbabwe, down in Gonarezhou National Park. And I hadn't been there for a bit, so I went and I, I kind of knew what I was getting into. So I resupplied, and my mum, being my mum, she sent me down some stuff, you know, good old girl. And I uh, had a nice bottle of whiskey. It was a Major's Reserve. I was chuffed with that. So a few days in, I got up in the morning and it's like, you know, first light type stuff. Got up, went through to my kitchen, and it's just like an open kitchen of the thatch hut. It's not like anything special. And it was like super clean. And I was like half asleep and trying to work out what was going on, and all my stuff was gone. And I thought, shit! Someone's been in here and stolen my all my gear and cleaned your house. Well, because the, all the countertops were just completely bare. All the tins had oh, gone, and the right, bottle of yeah. whiskey had gone. The fridge had been—you know—had a solar-powered fridge, and that all that stuff had been taken out. So, yeah, you know, I'm a breakfast man, and I like my breakfast. And I wasn't having breakfast. so I had a sad on, uh, and all the all like the like the management basically from the park were away. So I called up the guy in charge of um, the workshop, and his name is uh, Fumby, and he's a hell of a good guy. I was like, Fumby, uh, someone's stolen my stuff, man. And uh, there were some builders there the day before doing some repairs. I said, it must be the builders. He said, no, it can't be the builders. It must be Tondi. And I was like, Tondi? Who's Tondi? Tondarai. He lives in the bush, and he steals from the tourists, and sometimes he steals from us. And I was like, I've been here for four months, and this is the first I've heard about Tondi. He said, yeah, we can't catch him. i like, stand by. Got on my radio, <laughs> and I called the dog unit up. <gasps> And I said to the one handler, I was like, uh, "Get Sammy. Sammy's a dog. Bring him here." And uh, so he pulled up. Like five minutes later, I said, "Find spore." So the the footprints on the ground. Two minutes later, he's like, "Spore." So we started tracking, and we're going through the bush, and uh, we're tracking this guy. And every now and then, you could see a bare footprint, and the dogs working beautifully. And we've got this like nice line. We're already, you know, battle drills are you know good to go. Come across this little white packet, and it's halloumi cheese, and it's been eaten and thrown on the floor. And I was like. <laughs> I know this guy doesn't eat halloumi, so now he's stolen my halloumi, which I love frying at night time. That's gone. Okay, now we're definitely oh, going to wow, catch him. So wow, that really
2: on. pissed you off. The halloumi, you know,
0: that right, totally okay. pissed me off, mate. This got this was more than personal. <laughs> and uh, we came across his campsite, and he would stolen all the insulation from the the tourist um, cabins. So this like I don't know foil insulation, but it's got like bubbles in it, like bubble wrap. So he was sleeping on that as like a like a bed and. Uh, so we found that, we carried on, and we got down to this river. And the one thing that does scare the living daylights out of me in the bush is crocodiles. And so I was like, well, if he's gone across the river, fair game, he's won. And uh, then the dogs started tracking along the banks. Basically, I decided to take the high ground, and I was running along the top, and the rest of the team was down in the bottom. And then they lost track, and they couldn't work out where he was. And this dude started backing up out the bushes. He he was focused on them, and he was coming up towards me. And I was above him looking down at him. He had no clue I was there. And all I had on me was, was a handheld radio. And I just screamed. At him. I was like, get on the fucking ground now. And he dropped. He didn't even turn around or anything. And he was built like a brick shit house. I thought if he actually does have a go, he's going kick, to kick my face in and get away. But yeah, I was really lucky. So he dropped on the ground and I just literally jumped on top of him. And then all the boys came out of the bush. and. We Did were he think but, that uh, your radio he, was a gun? I don't think he knew what was going on. He just heard me and just panicked and I dropped to the ground. I just pictured you
2: putting your radio <laughs> under, underneath your T-shirt. And like, you know, when sometimes we were near younger, you'd put a banana <laughs> underneath your top and pretend oh. it was a gun. I wish you was just that like, cool. Mate, I've got a fucking like Desert Eagle point oh 0.05 under this thing. You get down on the motherfucking floor because you, you threw my motherfucking halloumi on the floor, and I am I am not happy with you, you piece of shit. And it turns out that wasn't the case. I'd love, I'd love you to have pretended that.
0: I just I just pointed my radio at him and he listened. It's like a magic wand. <laughs> did you get the whiskey like, back? Mate, he drank half my oh, whiskey. Oh, no. Yeah, half of it was gone. Mum, That's a good question. Eh? Not many people ask me that. You know what he did? He, he mixed half of it with uh, chicken and boiled it. What?! <laughs> Yeah, in his little camp. Yeah, we found my whiskey. Half my whiskey was in the the, (laughs) boiling in a in a pot in the stove with the chicken. It was frozen chicken (laughs) as well. Frozen (laughs) chicken in the pot with whiskey on a fire. That is an absolute (laughs) disgrace. I was livid, mate. I was absolutely livid. Like if there wasn't so many people there, we probably would have had a different (laughs) outcome. But uh, no, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was pretty frustrating.
1: What about, so we've talked a lot about what happens in Africa, Jay. What about the stuff that happens in the oceans? And I'm thinking about sharks. And Joe, I'm sure you were the same. As a child, I was terrified of sharks, Jay, despite the fact that the chances of me being attacked by a shark were so low as to be impossible. So I grew up terrified of sharks. And now when I hear what happens to sharks, I love sharks and I feel so, so sad. About what is happening to sharks this this surely cannot be true a
2: hundred million sharks a hundred a hundred million sharks are killed every year throughout the world who's that's not that that's not true is that true i don't know mate i couldn't tell you right, if it was lou true lou um, lou
1: lou are you listening lou she is she's trying to find her shark fact well Lou, you've a very high number. a
2: hundred million sharks. A hundred Fuck off. A hundred million sharks? There's not a hundred million sharks in the world, Lou. I can't say that as a
0: fact. There I don't know, there might be. What what's a There's big not part of fucking the hundred million people,
2: mate. How's there a hundred million sharks?
0: What do you mean there's not a hundred million people? You put your foot in your mouth, mate, by saying that. <laughs> what do you mean? Hang on. <laughs> is it like 7 billion people or fuck something? Fuck off. <laughs> oh,
2: shit. Okay, we'll keep the sharp fact and make sure you delete that little bit we just had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Never, ever, ever question the producer of a podcast that is giving you facts. I'm so sorry, Lou, <laughs> please. So right, a hundred million sharks. Let's start again. A hundred million sharks are killed every year throughout the world. That is mental. That absolutely blows my mind. Because what do they want it for? What do they want a shark? What do they what? What do they want? It's fin, or what for? For some soup. I'm I'm, yeah, shark fin soup. I'm eh? picturing shark fin soup and going, that definitely tastes like ass, (laughs) like. Like
1: singed, burnt ass hair, ass. I mean, it wouldn't even look good in a soup, Joe, would it? Like, because I don't know if do they do they liquidise it or do you just have like a a bowl of gruel with the, with the fin sticking out of it, like a horrific tiny paddling pool. I think it's quite obvious that neither you or I will ever taste shark fin soup. But I mean, what does it actually taste of? Do you think?
2: Look, it doesn't. Believe it or not, it does not taste like singed, burnt ass hair, ass. Um, the taste of the soup actually comes from the broth, as the fins themselves are almost tasteless. You can't, you know, taste the thing. That's what? what that's what tasteless means. Rather than for taste, the fins are used for their snappy, gelatinous texture, which has been described as chewy, sinewy, and stringy. Like who the f- so, so? There's no point.
0: Sounds I would prefer Sounds to
2: eat. Disgusting. Arse burnt ass, singed hair soup than that actually what what about the action so we've talked about the poachers you know maybe turning on you and being really dangerous and those sorts of situations that you get yourself into what about the animals do you ever find yourself that you're trying to protect them but they kind of confuse you as a poacher or they're just scared shitless of you and they've just gone for you instead Have you ever been in a situation like that
0: yeah, no, a few times. Elephant herds along the Mozambique border, for example, in Zimbabwe, they're very cheeky. I don't know how to describe it. They uh, they're a lot more aggressive than if you're further, you know, if you're on the other side of the park. Yeah, you know, inside Zimbabwe, they just they just know people on that side of of the park are going to try and hunt them and kill them. It's been times like the the worst, or the the I would say not the closest, most dramatic kind of scenario I can give you that that happened to us. Um, we were laying a track for a dog, uh, me and a friend of mine. And what what had been happening is we'd been having poachers come into the park at nighttime. So when you when you don't have dogs, the visual tracking it, you know just becomes obsolete because it's too dark to visually track. And you can't use a torch or anything like that because you can't see it because then the poachers will see you. Um so they'll be coming in just before sunset covering about three or four kilometers and then getting into this like really rocky area where you can't even visually track anymore, even if it's light. And then they just disappear, you know, after like six or seven Ks. So basically we're recreating that scenario through a training event. So we laid the track. Uh, nobody knew what was happening. We were like, you know, being fake poachers. Uh, we wore the same footwear as poachers. So they would think they were poachers when they see our footprints on the ground, um, not military style boots. And we passed an elephant. It was a, this like dominant elephant path that basically handrails the river And this, it was a a bull of about 15 years old and he, you know, did his trumpeting and waving his ears around and, you know, shouted at us type thing. And we just carried on uh, laying the track. Um, The team came up behind and that same elephant charged them. Uh, He got to about, I don't know, he was within three meters of the team. What? Uh, And when he stopped, uh, we've got it on video. Um, It's quite a cool little video, but yeah, I was on a patrol and I wasn't really paying attention, if I'm honest. And, I bumped a lioness and she was 15 feet away from me and I just heard this growl and I looked up and she was like in the grass, she was like flat down on the ground, her ears were flat, everything and I had a rifle, was down by my side and even if she went for me, there's no way I would have been able to lift my rifle up in time and uh, she just she just sprung up and ran away from me and not towards me. Um, so I properly, properly shot myself in that situation and then buffalo and rhino, that they honestly, every single trip I go on, we get charged by a buffalo, you know, and they're just when they're, they're a very aggressive animal and they're tough. They go to defense mechanism is attack. Uh, they're, I think they're an incredible animal. Uh, but if you've got like buffalo around you within 100 meters, there's a good chance they're going to come towards you. Uh, and then the last one's black rhino. They, those black rhinos are very aggressive. But they run in straight lines, which is quite cool. Um, So as long as you get out their way, they're going to keep running away. Um, They don't turn around and come back for you like a buffalo would. But you just hear the sound of them. And it's like this heavy, heavy breathing like three, four times. And then the whole world just like falls apart as they just come charging through the bush. And they just carry on running. If you, hopefully, you get up a tree or get out of their way quick enough. It scares a living devil you.
2: You spoke about earlier about the elephant charging you, and you said, "Oh, yeah, it's yeah, it's was, it's was pretty crazy, but it was quite cool." We've got a three to four minute video of it. You know, pretty cool. Nothing is fucking cool about an elephant <laughs> charging you. I was I was fourteen when I was in Zim, and we we went up to Lake Kariba, and we had one of these. Houses right on the river or whatever the fuck it's called. I can't mean lake. Um, obviously, Down. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and there was this section that there was a couple me and a couple of kids that were sitting on this like wall hanging over a bit, and out of nowhere, this fucking giant elephant is come storming through, mate. Honestly, we were like, Hang on. A
1: giant, a giant elephant. I mean, because elephants are big.
2: Well, I was fourteen. You mean a like, giant? No, I'm. I'm trying to add some suspense to the story. You tit, (laughs) Okay. It was a normal sized elephant, which felt ginormous (laughs) to 14 year old me and the younger lads that I was with. And we were away from the adults that we were with at the time. So they're like, Oh no, we're like, what do we do? Don't move. Don't move. And immediately I've got all these things going through my head. Oh, you shouldn't make eye contact. (laughs) shouldn't make eye contact with an animal don't look at it otherwise it'll know you're angry it can sense fear really puff out your chest because you know it can definitely sense if you're shitting yourself and if you're not it'll be scared or whatever and it like semi-charged us as we were sat on this wall and then you just described as well that for about that rhino for whatever reason just was like oh fuck it." it made it it's all it's not charge and then turned off and went the other direction so then when we got the chance to leg it we legged it back into one of these boathouses that we were in and we're hiding and the elephants then turned and come back and there was a couple of cars parked out the front and i remember this white like four by four and it was it was amazing it was incredible i'll try and dig out some of these pictures that we took through the curtains of it because it was right there and Uh, It was like a comedy thing where you think it's lining up to then sit on this white four by four like perfectly as if it's going to take a dump on it. And we're like, oh, my God, it's going to crush the thing. And then it just turns around, just nudges it a little bit and goes off. And I thought not only was I the most scared I've ever been as a 14 year old, I was also the most happy and in awe of what an incredible beast this was. And that's why I find it really, really hard. That there's people out there that are just like. Yeah, let's just kill one. Because I want to take out its fucking giant tooth. And then sell it for a tiny little shitty ornament that you can carve out of wood. It just, it angers me. It makes me feel like I want to punch Tom for some reason. Shit.
0: <laughs> You know, the thing with the ellies, which is pretty cool, that scenario you're telling me is, I mean, it sounds like a mock charge to me, and obviously I'm not there, so I'm I'm, I'm stabbing the dark at the same time, but if you think about an elephant's trunk, they use their trunk to communicate, to drink, to eat, uh, to to touch each other, to identify younger elephants, Uh, they're always smelling the ground, they're looking for predators with it. Um, you know, it's, it's without their trunk, that animal will die. It is, you know, completely dependent on it. So when an elephant is coming at you, if it's ears are open, his head's up, his trunk's up, he's making a lot of noise, his feet are kicking the ground, there's dust. That's all him being a big old bully. Um, when their ears are back and that trunk is wrapped up underneath its chin and he's like holding it close to himself and he's coming quietly, that thing is going to kill you. So most of the you know most of the time that you know those charges are going to be a mock charge and that's just and that's what you see on TV you see like tourist vehicles you know going through a park and stuff and these elephants are like like ears up and everything and they're chasing everyone away and if you look at them at like a water hole they do exactly the same thing to the antelope or the lion or whatever when they come to try and drink the same water they chase them off and they've learned to you know by being noisy and being dominant and lifting my head and making noise and dust and all that kind of stuff, this just pushes people this pushes other animals away from me so if you hold your ground, it's such an unusual reaction for them that they don't know what to do um but I would never hold and but that doesn't mean it won't go to ears back trunk under mode immediately um there's always a risk I'm not saying it's like one or the other it can change, but you know if it's a young bull. He's he is being a bully, one hundred percent. He's just being that, that kid at school that's picking on hind, hindsight In hindsight,
2: and listening to you now, you know, I clearly understand that that Ellie was just being cheeky and just you know mock charging. That's in hindsight, but at fourteen, it was the scariest moment right. of my life. That I'm almost certain. In fact, I'm not almost certain, I'm certain I touched cloth with
0: um poo. <laughs> so mate, I had exactly the same scenario now in Kenya and uh I had an elephant come at me, noise, dust, trunk up, ears out. I crap myself. I'm not, you know, it's it's terrifying. It's a big old animal and there's a lot of meat coming behind it and and I've, you know, we've we basically recovered a body in uh one national park of a German tourist that had been killed by an elephant. And his, his body was like bubble wrap. Uh, it was awful. And I just, I never want to feel that kind of pain. There's just no no part of me that's, I'll, I'll go into flight mode before I hold my ground long enough, you know? Fuck, you just dropped that so. bombshell
2: on us, thanks.
0: <laughs> People get killed
2: by elephants all the time in Africa, mate. Yeah, but it's usually, sure, surely it's usually their fault. I mean that's a bit uh, generalization, but
0: no. So I mean, so that program I told you about, where that guy Tondi stole my whiskey. He, uh, when I first got there, you know, I hadn't I hadn't been in the bush for about man a good fifteen to eighteen years or something, and you know I'd I'd been in the army and I'd been to Kosovo, Bosnia, and I thought I was a bit of a tough guy. I got then I got humbled that first week that I was I was like you know at the bottom of the food chain there. So I was, you know, very nervous about being in the bush and being around these wild animals that, you know, I hadn't I hadn't kind of like spent time with. Uh, but I was really lucky to work with some really cool people who, who do it all the time, way more than I do. They work in conservation, and the one guy I went out with Hugo, brilliant, brilliant man. He. He like taught me so much about elephants and, and about that bush. And the one weekend, you know, we're basically having a bit of downtime, catching up on paper. We said, Do you want to go on a fishing trip? It's like, hell yes. I went fishing with him and the family. We went to this place called Chitovi, which is a beautiful rocky river and did some tiger fishing. And uh I, I put my tent up in the in the car park. I woke up that night and look up and I've I've got about... 30 elephants around me and I was in a mosquito dome tent I wasn't in a real tent just a mosquito net to keep the mozzies off me I could see everything around me full moon could see all the elephants and you know Hugo's the guy said to me like if you if you approach elephants you're going to get in trouble but they choose to approach you so if you're sitting quietly in a vehicle at a sunset you know booze cruise whatever you know having a good time just being respectful of the environment and they come to you, they will walk past that, you know, they'll stop and they'll eat the grass and trees or whatever around you, but they'll move on. Whereas if you take that same vehicle and you drive towards them, that's when they get um, offensive and that's when they, they're they going to change their game plan. So yeah, like the, the the best advice I ever have for anybody in the bush is always just be respectful of the moment. You know, don't try and intrude on them. Like we're guests in their environment. Um, and we should appreciate what's going on there, and that's that's how I look at it. So even when we're on a foot patrol, if I know there's a lion ahead of us, or if there's elephants ahead of us, you know we're going to bypass them, we're going to detour, we're going to make a plan to stay out of their space. And if they choose to come into our space, that's a totally different situation. But I've had leopards walk past me within two meters of me. A good friend of mine, Mike. He, him and I were sitting having a beer. We're on this like kind of like veranda type thing. Have you ever heard a leopard? It makes like a sawing sound. It's a pretty pretty cool thing. And, can you just uh, give us uh, we, an we example? Hear this. I can. I'm going to give you my best leopard uh, <laughs> example. But you really want me to, okay, it sounds like a, now <laughs> See, I'm, now I'm doing a Joe Marla, I'm speechless. Mate, it's I, like I, a, I have no uh, idea what like a
2: leopard sounds like. I really need educating. It's
0: like, like sawing wood. Just like a, I d- uh, I've never heard of uh, it. Uh, 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 like, that's probably the, the best impersonation <laughs> I could give you. <laughs> I've heard that before, but that Cheers. has
2: nothing to do with it. Cheers,
0: Joe. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he just carried on walking past us, making that sound, and uh, he was right there. I mean, a beautiful big tom cat, and uh, I mean, it's just yeah, we were just sitting by a fire having a beer, and he approached us and went straight through. I'm not going to lie here; so my neck was sticking up, and you know, there's a, there's like every muscle in your body is ready to, like, bolt, and hopefully I'm faster than the other guy. But, uh, <laughs> I yeah. You
2: um, hopefully I'm faster than the leopard. No, just the other guy would do.
1: Fine. <laughs> I think these would be my tactics, Joe, if we were sitting by a campfire. I think you'd be all right as well, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> also, I think you would appear to a hungry um, wild animal. that I think you'd appear as a slightly juicier target than I would Possibly.
2: as well. I, I, I would probably also approach it like look if I'm gonna go it's not a bad way to go is it to be maimed by a by a leopard. I don't mind I don't mind that. If I'm gonna go, I'll take that one. To be crushed by an elephant. It's not nice and I'm pretty sure some of my family would miss me. But you go out on a high. So I'll take that Tom if we if me and you ever go to the bush together <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can't finish the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question, a final question for you, Jay. I'm assuming by the size of their ears that elephants have an excellent sense of hearing. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, yeah. They've got really poor eyesight, great sense of smell, probably one of the best on the planet. They're great hearing. They also feel through their feet, communicate through their feet. So, have you ever heard an elephant rumble, like their stomach rumble? No, like that, like boop, 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 sound in their stomach. Um, that's that's a form of communication, and they can actually feel that. They reckon they communicate through seismic um, communication. Wow.
1: Well, if an elephant has hearing that good, let's say you were listening to this podcast in the bush. Is it possible that the Joe Marlar Show has been listened to
0: by elephants? Oh, 100%. What? Yeah, no. I, I, Joe Marlar Show has definitely been listened to by uh, lots of different African wildlife. What? So, hang
2: on, if, if me and you go out of the bush, Tom, if me and you go out <laughs> in the bush, we we won't be attacked. but Or maybe we will be attacked. It depends what episode they've listened to. <laughs> Let's hope that they listen to this one and see how kind and loving we are about animals. You more than me, because I still eat them, um, whereas you've chosen not to. But my wife doesn't, so that kind of balance things out, does it, surely? No,
1: I think so. I think so, Joe. And I'd like you to conclude by, in the style of an elephant, because we've had Jay doing various animal impressions. I would like you as an elephant thanking Jay for coming on the show. It's, it's, a, t- <laughs> it's, a, t- it's a tough one because uh,
2: it's, my elephant is quite similar to my whale. <laughs> um, and where, where's the elephant from? Is it is it an African elephant? It's
1: yeah, it's a Zimbabwean elephant. Oh, which, Zimbabwean, which no, might help okay,
0: you, you got to get the twang right for that one. <laughs> <laughs> He's got gas.
2: <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds like Nelson Mandela.
2: <laughs> hello, I, my, I'm, I, hello, I'm an elephant, and. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a bloody cheeky elephant from southwest England, by the sounds of it, the way it's going, you <laughs> fucking idiot. And I would just like to say... Oh, a big bloody thank you.
1: Oh, what the fuck is
2: going on? Woo! What are you making me do, Tom? You're a fucking helmet. I would like to say a bloody thank you ever so much for coming on, Jay, and being a wonderful guest. Fuck off, Tom. I am sick to my back (laughs) tusks of you forcing me to do shit like that. Jay it has been brilliant to sit here and listen to you tell stories and thank you so much for coming on mate no guys thanks very much for having me
0: i really appreciate
1: it i mean that was heavy going at times the episode but in the best possible way i liked him he i'm disappointed that
2: the listeners couldn't see him because he was a very handsome man um and also someone that you just go oh fuck yeah he's chasing bad guys he had a bit of uh, the rock. Uh, he was like a he was like a mix between the rock and um, Jason Statham. Yeah, he was good shout. but like a half Zimbabwean version. I quite liked it. Like you know, i sorry that we're somehow talking about my sexual attraction to him. Um, I thought he looked wonderful. I really enjoyed his voice. And he basically wanted to say, I want to chase these fuckers down and I want to beat shit out of them for killing these animals or doing doing wrong to these animals. But he, he didn't want to do that across the thing. So I'll do it for him. Yeah, that's what he wants to do, motherfuckers. But
1: he was cool. Nice. Well, if you enjoyed that as much as me and Joe and you want to support the show, search for Joe Marler Show on Patreon. If you want another podcast to listen to, in the meantime, why not try... American Vigilante. Now, this is a brand new show. It's about a man called KC. He lives off-grid somewhere in the US, and he takes the law into his own hands. He might have killed people. He claims to have saved the lives of abducted children, and he could be a massive fantasist. We're not sure, but he is captivating, and you should listen to him. Go and subscribe now. Search for American Vigilante in your podcast app tom who have we got on our next episode please bojo our next episode is all about water what do you mean
2: like tap bottled steel spark oh i like sparkling actually san pellegrino it's really good for your cellulite because of the ph level in it it's not just all sparkling water by the way it's specifically san pellegrino uh, sparkling water the pH level's fantastic and it really helps reduce your cellulite in your legs anyway are you are you a sparkling water guy? well Joe you're going to have to wait till next week to find out I'm afraid that's uh, what you, that's fucking bollocks just uh, it's a yes or no it doesn't take that long to just say yes or no do you like sparkling water or not?
1: unlucky see you next week wanker <laughs> crowd network a place where you belong